It's the Bradfield Weather Podcast, underwritten by McAllen Construction, servicing the entire state of Connecticut for over 25 years. McAllen Construction, from the first dig to the last nail. I'm Dan Lavallo. He's Brad Field, meteorologist Brad Field. And Brad, here we are. We are now in meteorological summer. For people who don't know, what is meteorological summer? Well, they just try to make it easy, Dan, uh, that they, uh, they go by December and January and February as meteorological winter, and then March and April and May as meteorological spring. June, July, and August is meteorological summer. It just makes it easier for the calculations. But uh, astronomical summer, Dan, when the, uh, when the sun is at its highest uh, latitude in the sky, comes in, uh, I think it's June 20th this, this year. Uh, that uh, is the summer solstice, Dan. But uh, we're in meteorological summer right now. And, uh, you know, you talk about meteorological summer and astronomical summer. Point is, it's been a weird month so far. I mean, uh, here we are uh, taping this podcast on Friday, June 5th. But on June 1st, we had a record low of 37 degrees. How often do you get in June and have temperatures in the 30s? It was 37 at Bradley on June 1st. And it's been kind of uh, interesting to watch. We had 60s on June 1st. We had 70s on June 2nd. We had 80s on June 3rd. And, Dan, yesterday it was 90. So we went from uh, 37 on the 1st to 90 on the 4th. So uh, kind of a crazy start to the month of June. But, uh, yeah, a lot of things underway now. Um, Meteorological summer is underway, but also... The hurricane season is underway, and also we have a big astronomical event happening this weekend. Yeah, a a lot taking place. I want to get back to the meteorological summer for just a moment in regards to record-keeping purposes. Let's say, for example, the temperature today was going to be 100 degrees, and that turned out to be a record for the date. Would that go in the books as the warmest day in the summer or the warmest day in the spring? Huh. I, um, I personally, Dan, I think that this meteorological summer uh, is, is kind of, I don't want to say ridiculous, but I do not go by it, even though I guess by convention um, the, the National Weather Service and so forth goes by it. I'm, I guess I'm just an old-timer in that I do not think of summer beginning until June 20th when it really does begin. But, you know, things get changed and moved around and so forth. And, you know, they, they, they move things like uh, Veterans Day because it's more convenient to have it on a Monday. And, they you know, how do you move Washington's birthday? It is what it is. But they, they move it and they call it President's Day. I mean, things get shifted and moved around. I would still call it spring um, myself. If, if, as you say, if we broke a record today, I would call it a springtime record and not a summertime record. But I'm sure that's in these uh, litigious times, <laughs> I'm sure that's open to dispute. <laughs> well, you, you know, I guess it's, it's all based from an astronomical standpoint, the seasons on the location of the sun. Isn't that correct? 
Yep, that's exactly correct, Dan. And you can't change you can't change what's really happening. The sun's at its uh, farthest north uh, latitude point um, in the uh, June twentieth, June twenty first time frame. That's when the summer solstice is. That's when the sun's rays are most direct. And uh, you know, you're always talking to me, Dan. You're the you're the optimist here. I think I'm an optimist too. But the but the the days are getting longer, and you talk about that soon. You know, a couple podcasts down the line, you're going to have to start talking about the shrinking days <laughs> <laughs> that uh, we're you know as we we start the slow but steady. Uh, trek back toward the winter solstice and the the uh the the sun's angle in the sky uh you know getting toward from going from the tropic of uh, cancer uh, back to the equator on the first day of fall and then down to the tropic of capricorn as we head toward the winter solstice now you mentioned uh, another storm out there, and I think that's already a record. Three tropical storms before uh, well, the hurricane season started June first, but already three stop tropical storms at this date. What's going on? Yeah, um, well, you know, it's 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 funny because um, some of these, like they they upgraded Bertha to a tropical storm uh, within minutes or miles of the South Carolina coast. And then it went inland. And so it was, it really only had the tropical storm characteristics of uh, wind speed and so forth for a few hours. And then, uh, then, yeah, and it just barely made it too. You know, you get a wind over 39 miles per hour sustained. You can call it a, a tropical uh, storm. So that's what happened with Bertha. This Cristobal, uh, Cristobal, I think is the proper pronunciation, um, coming off of the Yucatan, and as a, it's a tropical depression now, but it looks like it's going to um, ramp up over the warmer waters of the Gulf of Mexico and uh, continue to move off to the north. Um, it looks like uh, it's going to be impacting the Louisiana and Mississippi shoreline on Sunday night. So if you know some folks down there, um, so Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be moving up just about due north, uh, up into the Gulf of Mexico, and then Sunday night moves uh, ashore and impact Louisiana and Mississippi. And uh, I think the biggest potential there is the rain potential and the, the, the chance for some flooding. I'm not too worried about wind damage. It looks like the rain potential is up to uh, 10 inches or so for the Louisiana, uh, kind of the bayous down there, Louisiana, Mississippi border area, uh, Sunday night, and the torrents of rain uh, continuing into Monday. And I want to point out something else, Dan, as we're now in the tropical storm season. I want to point out that something you did for us, um, if the folks go to bradfieldweather.com, very easy. It's just my name and what I do. Bradfieldweather.com. You can get your daily forecast every day. Uh, you can link to the podcast from bradfieldweather.com. We have radar tracking there. Uh, Dan put in a link to the Severe Storms uh, Prediction Center. So you can go there and see, uh, you know, is the thunderstorm threat 
enhanced? Uh, is there a chance of a tornado? Uh, are there chances of severe thunderstorms? That's all very easy to find on the uh, Severe Storms Prediction Center page. We've got a real easy link on bradfieldweather.com. And the same thing, Dan put a link to the uh, Hurricane Center uh, from bradfieldweather.com. That's just NHC, which is National Hurricane Center, .noaa, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, .gov. So nhc.noaa.gov, that is also linked uh, for your convenience at bradfieldweather.com. So hopefully um, hopefully you spread the word and we become sort of your one-stop shopping for Connecticut weather. Well, I want to take a minute to talk about McAllen Construction, which underwrites our podcast. I know Brad and I are just so thankful that McAllen Construction has chosen the Bradfield Weather Podcast to underwrite. They have been servicing the entire state of Connecticut for over 25 years, on call 24-7, year-round. McAllen Construction is woman-owned, a small minority business, licensed with the state of Connecticut, and insured McAllen Construction is licensed as a major contractor, new home construction contractor, plumbing and piping limited P7, home improvement contractor, and subsurface sewage installer, utility, carpentry, excavation, and when it snows, snow removal for residents, commercial businesses, and state and local governments. Give McAllen Construction a call today, 203 758 3474 203 7584 3474 now, Brad, uh, as we approach this weekend, and as you said, we're putting this podcast together on June the 5th, I guess we've got an interesting event taking place over the weekend when we look skyward. What's happening? Yeah, uh, Dan, it's called the Strawberry Moon, and uh, it's it's interesting. Hopefully we'll be able to see it. There's going to be a lot of cloud cover around tonight, but you'll be able to see it uh, throughout the, the course of the weekend. Uh you know what happened? How it how it got its name is the um, early Native Americans used it as a signal when they saw this uh, weird coloring or beautiful coloring actually of of the moon. Uh, they used it as a signal to gather ripening wild strawberries. So uh, that's that's how it got called the Strawberry Moon. Um, we have moonrise over Connecticut tonight, uh, which is Friday, June fifth at 8.29 p.m. in the southeast sky, and moon set at 5.10 a.m. Saturday morning, June 6th, in the southwest sky. Now, the strawberry moon takes a low, shallow path across the sky, and it produces the most colorful moon of the year, and that is because the moonlight has to travel through more atmosphere 
and it causes in sort of an orange and yellow tint to the moon. So you might wonder why do they call it the strawberry moon? It's because they used it, like I say, to to as a signal the Native Americans to harvest the wild strawberries. But in Europe, it's more aptly called the honeymoon. So uh, little uh, little almanac. Uh, Farmer's Almanac uh, type information there. And speaking of Europe, June 6th, which is this Saturday, marks the 76th anniversary of D-Day, the Allied invasion of Europe, and weather had a significant part in the invasion, didn't it? Right. I, I believe it was called Operation Overlord, Dan. I'm not, I'm not positive yes, it, about it that. Yes, was, it was Overlord. But uh, it, it was the famous Battle of Normandy, which raged from uh, June of 1944 through August of 1944. And essentially, what the Battle of Normandy did was it resulted in the Allied liberation of Western Europe from uh, Nazi control. Uh, Eisenhower was the uh, commander, the, the general, and, and uh, the, the, I guess, I think he was called supreme commander of the Allied forces. But uh, Eisenhower needed favorable weather, favorable tides, and favorable moonlight. Uh, now, the original date of the invasion was supposed to be June 5th, Dan, but there was a um, there was a, a six man team of meteorologists composed of uh, Americans and composed of um, uh, English uh, meteorologists and other uh, meteorologists from the ally side, and they could not come to a consensus about June fifth. And it's a good thing too because uh, as the day dawned on June fifth. The weather was awful. Uh, there were rough seas and so forth. And, um, you know, Eisenhower needed the favorable weather, the favorable tides and sea conditions, and the favorable moonlight. Uh, the team of six all were in agreement to go on uh, June 6th. And as you know, that's when Eisenhower launched the invasion. The alternate date would have been, um, would have had to move to June 19th because of tide and uh, moonlight aspects. So it was a, it, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a battle that uh, killed about 4,000 Allied troops, something like that. But, uh, you know, we paid a dear, dear price to take that land back. But uh, there's, there's so much interesting things to read. Um, Rommel was, was Hitler's commander, uh, along the the waterfront there, there were uh, hundreds of miles of waterfront they were trying to, uh, the Nazis were trying to trench in and defend. But for, uh, for um, some reason, Rommel was away uh, when the invasion began, and uh, he was the, the, the best Nazi leader. He was Hitler's most cherished leader. So there, it's a lot of interesting reading, a lot of uh, uh, interesting video clips. All I did, Dan, was I simply uh, went to my iPad and went to the went to Google and Googled weather forecast roll D-Day invasion. 
And you've got readings and clips and materials that if you were a history buff, you could sit there all day and read. It's, it really is uh, fascinating and one of the greatest endeavors from a military standpoint in history. And, you know, I, I always remember the picture of Eisenhower greeting the troops the day before they were to launch. And, uh, you know, he knew so many of them would lose their lives. And here he was about them, trying to encourage them the day before the invasion. And as you said, it's just compelling reading. There's so many books out there about the invasion, even like you said, Google to find out about the weather on that particular day or how it had a role in the D-Day invasion. And it makes for a fascinating read, Brad. It really does. Dan, and you got to consider another thing, too, when you go back, uh, what is it, 76 years ago, they, the, uh, the, the state of meteorology was in its infancy. And really, basically, anything beyond a day was, was just sort of a wild guess. And these meteorologists, they had to plot everything by hand. Uh, they had to rely on ship reports. Of course, there was no satellite data because uh, satellites weren't viable until the space age began with uh, the uh, former Soviet Union launching Sputnik. And then uh, the Americans coming with the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo uh, missions uh, during the, the, the decade of the 1960s. So even though the Earth is composed of 75% ocean, we didn't know what the heck was going on on those oceans prior to the space age, prior to the point where we would have these satellites up in the sky uh, taking pictures and, and now taking thermal imaging of the Earth's surface so we can see how warm those waters are in the tropical Pacific. And if there's La Nina or El Nino, I mean, these things would happen before, and meteorologists would have no idea what they were or no idea why the weather was occurring the way it's occurring. So um, you got to consider that back 76 years ago, meteorology was just in its infancy. Just, just amazing, really amazing. That takes us to our current situation. Uh, what's on the weather map? What does it look like? Well, it's humid and muggy out there, Dan, and we discussed dew point on the last uh, podcast, but I'll just quickly go over it again. If the dew point in the summertime is under 60, almost everybody is comfortable. You say, oh, what a comfortable day. But if the dew point uh, is over 70, you say, oh, it's muggy, it's oppressive, it's, it's awful. And in the 60s, it varies from low to moderate to high humidity. Well, this morning we wake up, Dan, and it's fairly high humidity. The last dew point I saw up at Bradley was 67 degrees. So that's a, that's a high uh, level of humidity, not quite oppressive, but high. And we're in this humid air mass, and we're going to stay in this humid air mass uh, for a while because we've got a cold front coming through the eastern Great Lakes. Overnight, that cold front will es uh, enter western New York, but we're still on the muggy side of things. So overnight, it's muggy, humid here with some scattered showers around. Now, on Saturday, that front is going to be traversing New York and crossing New England. And I think it will be off the New England coast by dark. So as a consequence, we will see lowering levels of humidity during the day on Saturday. Now, Dan, I have some wonderful news for you now. 
On Sunday, a sprawling high-pressure system will be building in from Hudson Bay in eastern Canada. So as the cold air comes in aloft, I think mixed clouds and sun on Sunday, but we're going to have that deep blue sky and the puffy cumulus clouds around on Sunday. Uh, nice little breeze, temperatures in the 70s, probably low to mid-70s, and bone-dry humidity. Now, that bone-dry humidity is going to lead to some chilly nights. It's going to be uh, chilly out there Sunday night, 40s and 50s across the region. Uh, on Monday, I see the high pressure centered more on the New York-Pennsylvania border, giving us more wonderful weather here in Connecticut. Meanwhile, Cristobal will be producing torrential rains in Louisiana. Uh, on Tuesday, the high pressure system shifts off Kit Cod. Still a nice day. And Wednesday, high pressure holding on, and it looks like the Cristobal remnants are going to move straight north. They're going to move up into the Great Lakes and probably on up into Canada and uh, probably miss us completely. So I am looking at um, the humid weather uh, today and tonight, the transitional weather on Saturday with the front coming through and the lowering humidity, and then I think I can promise you, Dan, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, a nice stretch of, of fair weather, low humidity, comfortable days, and cool nights. Can't beat that for sure. And, uh, no. No, not at all. Yeah, we look into our crystal ball segment. Take, take a look uh, out into the middle of June and even to the end of the June. What does the crystal ball look like? Well, we just looked at all the National Weather Service maps and data for that time frame, Dan. And from uh, Wednesday, June 10th, which is where I just ended off on the on the weather map segment, through Sunday, June 14th, uh, I think the core of the coldest air with respect to what's average is going to be over the heartland. Um, places from Minnesota to Wisconsin, uh, kind of south toward uh, western Kentucky and western Tennessee are going to be cool with respect to what's average. For us here, I think we're going to be around average. And what does that mean? It means pretty much mid-50s at night to near 80 around, uh, you know, during the, during the days. But then I looked uh, a little bit further in the uh, National Weather Service uh, long range, and the week beginning Monday, June 5th, uh, excuse me, June 15th, and uh, taking us through the uh, Dad's Day weekend, it looks like the core of the coldest air will be right here. It's going to be over the eastern Great Lakes, over southern New England, uh, the mid-Atlantic. The center of the warmest air is going to be out toward New Mexico, Texas, and Colorado. But, Dan, having said that, that the core of the coolest air is going to be over us the week of June 15th, all that means is instead of a, a daily high of 81 or 82, you know, we might have a daily high of 76 or 77. So we're, we'd be a full seven degrees or so below average. But in the summertime, or as, it, as we say, the late, the late spring, the transition to summertime, because again, June 20th is the summer solstice. When you've got cool weather in the summer, that's not bad. Nothing wrong with that, for sure. When you're talking Nothing about no, that. you're talking about temperatures in the 70s and low humidity. I'll sign for that anytime. 
<laughs> Me too, Dan. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Well, to, to put a wrap on things then, and then once more we're putting this podcast together on June the 5th, what does our forecast look like? Well, for the afternoon, Dan, and for the overnight, it's warm and it's muggy. Uh, there could be a few showers around, maybe the rumble of thunder, but the severe threat is not high at all. There could just be a, a you know, garden variety thunderstorm going by. Overnight tonight, an evening shower or thunderstorm, it'll be muggy. Temperatures in the 60s overnight tonight. For Saturday, uh, it looks like a partly sunny day, the day of transition. Uh, there could be a leftover shower or thunder shower as the cold front moves across Connecticut during the day on Saturday. And we will see lowering humidity. Kind of a westerly breeze, so sort of blowing parallel to the Connecticut shoreline. So 75 to 80 right at the Connecticut shore, but 80 to 85 through interior Connecticut. So uh, I see tomorrow as sort of a transitioning day, but um, uh, the last of the uh, maybe kind of uncomfortable days uh, by Saturday night, upper 40s and 50s Saturday night, so extremely comfortable. And here's the best part of the forecast of all. Mixed sun and clouds, low humidity, temperatures in the 70s on Sunday, and uh, our good friend, uh, we, we call her Jigs, that's short for her, her last name, but uh, having a little party on Sunday, and we're going to her home up in Enfield, and we will all, of course, of course, be social distancing. But it looks like a beautiful day for that party, Dan. Mixed sun and clouds, low humidity temperatures in the 70s. Monday looks sunny. I'm going to say 76 to 82 statewide. How nice is that? Tuesday looks sunny, 82, 85 inland, 70s at the shore. But again, nice, low humidity. And Wednesday, sunny, we'll go 70 at the shore and 80 inland. And that is a great forecast. That sure is a great forecast. And uh, you have a great time at the party. And uh, as we always do when we wrap up the podcast, we like to uh, thank uh, our first responders who put their lives on the line for us every day during uh, COVID-19 and this pandemic. So uh, a big thank you to them and Brad, to you and Sandy and your family and to our audience. Have a great weekend. Dan, you as well. And uh, also uh, the, the police as the first responders as well, Dan, because, you know, the country's moved from the COVID-19 now to the, uh, to the, the, the problems with the, the protesting, uh, turning riots in some uh, locations. So, uh, I, I can't echo enough what you say about the first-line responders for both COVID-19 and from our police force. Absolutely. Our Bradfield Weather Podcast, underwritten by McAllen Construction, servicing the entire state of Connecticut for over 25 years. McAllen Construction, from the first dig to the last nail.